0: This episode of The Detox Podcast is brought to you by Rebel Riot Printing. Celebrating their 10th year in business, Rebel Riot is locally owned and family operated, offering custom printed teas with no minimums and fast turnaround. And by Bitsbox. Bitsbox teaches kids to code. Real JavaScript, real devices, and really fun. Hands down the most fun way for curious kids ages 6 to 14 to learn coding. Use promo code DETOX for $20 off any subscription order of $50 or more. That's D-T-A-L-K-S Detox for $20 off any order of $50 or more with BitsBox. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window at how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I speak to Will Coleman, founder and CEO of Alto Ride Sharing Service, which is new here in Dallas. Will and I get into all of the specifics on how he started Alto, what he's excited about, as well as some parenting aspects I think you're really going to enjoy. Up first, we have another Ask the Birth Guy with Brian Salmon, and then I dig into my conversation with Will. I think it's really enjoyable, you're really gonna like it, so stick around, be right up after this.
1: time for Ask the Birth Guy. And I'm Brian the Birth Guy. You guys, we have, as always, another great question from you guys. Check this out. This person wants to know, how much coffee and caffeine can I have when I'm pregnant? Listen, I love coffee. I know a lot of you guys out there do, too. We all like to have that morning yumminess, even in the afternoon, sometimes in the evening good gravy check this out ACOG the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology says you can have moderate consumption that means 200 milligrams per day doesn't seem to be a major contributing factor in miscarriage or preterm birth or any kind of like relationship to having a, a small baby so the final conclusion is you can have them but check this out what does that mean 200 milligrams per day an eight ounce cup of coffee eight ounces my friends has 95 milligrams of caffeine in it that means you can have two eight ounce cups plus another you know half a cup and maybe you can make it work right so check it out enjoy your coffee don't stress out too hard about it but ask your barista or someone else if you're getting an espresso drink what the exact amount of caffeine is I mean you can always work it out and I'm sure you guys will take care of yourselves take care of your baby and I'm gonna hand it back to Joe Shaw and the detox podcast.
0: Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is the CEO and founder of Alto, Mr. Will Coleman. Will, how are you doing today? Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to kind of dig into I know the listeners are going to say, you're always saying you're really excited. Well, I am. <laughs> I'm very excited about these episodes, but I'm especially excited about this episode because of the fact that I did not know your company, a ride-sharing service that some have compared to Uber or Lyft, you've compared to Starbucks, uh, as more of a, uh, user holistic experience, uh, existed in Dallas. And so I'm excited to dig into that, but before we kind of dig into the Genesis and the nuts and bolts and why you started that, cause we're going to get there. I like to ask all of the parents that come on my show, what do you think makes a good parent? Wow. First question right
2: off the bat, what makes a good parent? I, I, I well, for me, uh, you know, it, it, it starts with just being uh, a loving and, uh, and, and caring uh, and empathetic uh, person, I think, is, is what I really focus on. I, I have to admit that I, I, I took a strengths finder one time, and uh, empathy is my 36th strength <laughs> out of 36 uh, features. I and also so, took that so I, I, wonder, I wonder at which point something <laughs> becomes not a strength <laughs> and instead a weakness. But I really try to to use all the empathy that I can in my parenting because uh, I think that that's really how you can how you can be a great parent is is even when my kids are actually quite young and so um, you know empathizing with them I know that hurts I you know I know I know you're I know you're upset I understand what's going on Uh, is was what I really try to do to to be. Uh, helpful to them and as they, as they mature and and grow up. Right. And hopefully end up with more empathy than
0: than I did. (laughs) I think it's so, it's so easy as a parent, because I have young children as well. And it's so easy as a parent to say, all right, let's get moving. Like, I, I okay, okay, all right. But let, let's just keep it going, keep it going. Because we know, all right, well, that doesn't hurt that much. And, and you know, we're going to be all right. And we're going to move on. But they don't know that. Right. And so it's. It, I think it is, uh, to your point, it's something where I've got to stop. And I know a lot of the listeners have got to stop and say, okay, I need to make sure that they understand I hear them. I want to validate their fears and concerns. Let them know that I understand them. Let them know I understand that it hurts or I understand what you're saying and then offer the uh, the resolution, right? So it's like validate, empathize, and then resolve. That's and all, we just yeah. want to skip, to skip to the resolve. Exactly. <laughs> actually, the
2: best book that I've, I've read in a long time, I can't remember the author, but I, I'm pretty sure it's called How to Talk to Your Kids So They Will Talk to You. And oh, that's exactly okay. where I yeah, learned yeah, yeah, this yeah. kind of, ex- you know, <laughs> right. empathize, right. understand, and then respond so, right. that, uh, so that they learn how to then tell you more, right. and you can actually help them
0: more. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Kids are, are always, uh, there's always something new going on. And I mean, (laughs) just, uh, the one, the one I had, I had a new dad come up to me, uh, the other day and he asked me, he said, uh, what, what, what's one piece of advice you would give? And, you know, my standard has always been, uh, Prepare like Consume everything. Be prepared to throw it all out the window. But uh, he seemed a little bit more desperate. It's the wrong word, but a little bit more uh, help. I need help. And so what I tried to tell him was, you're going to get to a point where you've figured it all out for a one-year-old. And then they're going to turn two. And you're going to have to start all over. So don't feel bad when you're starting over every year because it always changes. My kid went from three to four, and I didn't understand anything she was saying or doing or uh, trying to reason with me. She had more words, but I could understand what she was saying even less. So, you know, that's the kind of advice I gave him and it, uh, I don't know if it made him feel any better, but it allowed him to understand that uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. No question. Mm -hmm. I mean, besides being loving, caring and empathetic, I I think
2: really the, the thing that, that embodies that for me is, is just being humble, right? I mean, knowing that you don't know what you're doing (laughs) right? (laughs) and maybe (laughs) not admitting that to your kids, but at least, um, you know, understanding that yourself and and knowing that it's okay. And uh, and no one else knew what they
0: they were doing either. So, you know, if you you'll figure it out along the way. Right. Absolutely. Well, now that we've kind of talked through a lot, a little of the parenting stuff, I really want to just kind of dive right into the genesis of Alto and talk about, first of all, let's talk, maybe, maybe this is even a little bit better way to, to get into it is I want you to talk to me about your background and maybe how you even arrived at the idea of this before we even start talking about starting it up. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I,
2: For the last 11 years really my entire professional career i was a consultant for a big consulting firm called mckinsey and company i was spending all of my time working with big consumer travel companies in the us and around the world airlines hotels car rental companies cruises casinos you know pretty much anybody that that you would interact with as a traveler on the air in the ground or or when you're staying and and understanding the behaviors of travelers and how to uh, you know, help brands, attract them, retain them, and get you to keep coming back. Sure. And through that work, I was doing two things. One, traveling a lot right. <laughs> all over <laughs> right. the world. Right. I was spending, you know, six nights a week many times on airplanes and, yeah. and multiple months a year in, in cars. And I was also, you know, becoming a student of of new forms of mobility and, and new ways people were, were moving around and traveling right. and the disruption that that was having on my clients as a consultant. And I got really interested in how existing players in the space were uh, building their businesses, um, how it was really transforming the travel space and as a traveler, I, so that was, uh, as a consultant, I was kind of just interested in the space and, and engaging with it a lot. And then as a traveler, I was I was using Rideshare all the time. Right. I was, uh, you know, traveling and riding in cars. And, and what was the time frame that, that you were the consultant? What was the full, how many years? I start, Well, 11 years. I started in, in 2007 until okay. 2008. So just last year 18, I left. Okay. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah. Two thousand eighteen. So, no, it's okay it's okay, it's
0: okay. it's okay. It's okay. It's <laughs> okay. Uh, you're not a finance guy. We're good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so, but okay. So you're really seeing, like you said, that two thousand seven to two thousand eighteen. That's a crucial evolution it, as far as traveling, transporting, and even ride sharing, because two thousand seven, that wasn't a thing that people talked about. You know. Right.
2: I mean, Uber Uber first launched on the scene in in two thousand eight in Dallas, actually, where we are in two thousand nine or ten right and so yeah I mean it was really just the beginnings right. and then people didn't really understand the the kind of full disruption and full impact that it would have really until 2012 2013 sure and and so it was really probably like, 2015 to
0: 2017 where these things started really impacting like the entire travel ecosystem right and so now you're seeing it as a con- as a consultant with your clients now talk let's go back to before i interrupted you the, your uh perspective as a traveler Yeah.
2: So as a traveler, I was using these services a ton um, and from the very early days because Mm -hmm. I was traveling a lot. So in cities where they were offered and then, you know, I was looking for them in cities where they weren't offered because they really changed my life. I mean, ride sharing, I, I say this a lot, ride sharing changed my life because it introduced a, a totally new level of convenience into my travel, right? Yeah. I didn't really have to think about when I landed somewhere how I was gonna get to where I was going. right? Uh, and I didn't need to think about renting a car and, and knowing my directions and, and not right. being able to work while I was, you know, I, that just introduced a whole new component of time into my day. right? I could call my kids or right. my wife or <laughs> FaceTime right. Right. Or, exactly. or finish that last email so that when I made it home, I was more was more work was done, yeah. yeah. And I, why, so while it changed my life, what I actually recognized over several years is that as it became more ubiquitous, as it became even more convenient, it also became significantly less consistent. Hmm. And at a certain point, uh, the convenience started the, – the inconsistency started to overwhelm sure. the, the convenience, and I started saying, well, I – I, I like the fact that I can call it on demand, but I also want to be able to know that I can have that conference call or call my wife or talk to my kids on FaceTime right. or chill if I want to. And I need to have the consistency to know what kind of car I'm going to get, what kind right. of driver I'm going to get. So I realized that for me, my needs were being met less and less. Sure. And I also realized that for my wife, um, Kendall, her, she didn't have she, this, these, Kind of introduction of this new way to move hadn't impacted her nearly as much as it impacted me. She didn't even have the apps on her phone. Mm-hmm. She was really worried about her personal safety, the intimacy of getting in a vehicle with somebody that you don't know, having right. them pick you up at your front door, knowing that you're leaving your house or that you're just coming back maybe all by yourself. Right. And uh, and so the the combination of my experiences, her experiences, and my my experience as a consultant kind of came together in realizing we kind of have these these needs that aren't being met and in doing research i found that that we weren't alone there were a lot of other professionals a lot of other women a lot of other families that were having these same needs and that uh, nobody was really focused on on solving those needs and so we felt i felt that there was a large and potentially profitable segment of consumers that were being left behind right and that's really what you know led us to say can we you know now if that's the case can we create
0: something that right. solves for that that we believe would be differentiated and defensible? Right. Like, is there something better? Like, I think that's the the question, and I think you're currently solving that. And and I agree. I mean, I, you know, just from my own perspective, you know, I live in the Dallas Fort area. I drive 19, 20 minutes into work. I don't travel out of state or out of the country or whatever for work. And so, for me, up until. Mm, a year and a half ago, I didn't have Uber or Lyft or any of these ridesharing apps on my phone because there was no need. To your point, and then when I did start using them for the first time, the very first experience I had was fantastic. It was great, great guy, clean car, consistent, reliable. Uh, the next several times, it was not the case. You know, I for a myriad of reasons, either uh, I was felt the car I was getting was unsafe, or maybe I wasn't sure what was going to happen with the driver, or we're going off route. I mean, a variety of stuff. To your point. And it made me go, I don't know if it's easier for me to just rent a car. And when I'm when I'm thinking about adva- evolu- evolving the way in which we live and work, I'm always thinking about if I'm having to regress in a step, why is that? Yep. You know, so if, if I was to say, Oh, I'm just gonna do a landline now, it's like, why am I doing a landline instead of a cell phone? Even just like a flip phone, like what what's neat? And so when I think about uh it might just be easier to rent a car. Why is it? And I think to your point, it's all of these mitigating factors of, I'm not sure about the car I'm going to get in. Is it going to be available? Surge pricing, cleanliness, reliability, all of that stuff. And for, you know, you and myself, males, right? Like it, the safety issue is less of a concern as it would be and is with our wives. And so I think, you are absolutely correct in that there was a huge segment of the consumer market just being left on the table yeah. right that's what we found is that actually there were a lot of professional
2: men and women frankly that were regressing mm-hmm. that's exactly the right word they were going back to more traditional forms of mobility they were Wait. either returning to renting a car returning to the limo, to a limo to a black car to a taxi and that regression was really what signified to us that there had to be something better. There had right. to be a V2 of this of this new sure. form of mobility and right. that we, we could probably try to do it to right. do it better and, and to solve those needs that weren't being addressed right. uh, by existing offerings.
0: So now walk me through how you the the you know ABCs of how you actually got left your consulting career and started Alto. So what does what does that even look like? So obviously it's a startup, right? But but walking through because there's a lot of people that hear the word startup, have seen Silicon Valley, but may not yeah. entirely understand the. We how, didn't start exactly like that. Stuff. I think
2: what's what's funny what I've learned since starting Alto is that you know s- startups start in a in a myriad of different ways. Sure. Uh, you know some of them are very Silicon Valley esque. It's right. a guy in his in his garage, right. uh, you know, <laughs> with the with a laptop coding. But um, a, a lot are also you know the 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 combination of, of a lot of kind of thinking early hypotheses, early testing with friends, you know, just, I mean, really what it was for, for me is that in working with some clients, we had some, you know, I had my, my own personal views of the market. We were doing some research as, you know, at at McKinsey and, Mm -hmm. um, and I was, I was seeing that research with my clients and sharing with them, Hey, this, this seems really interesting to me. Um, and, and through that process, I was lucky that, you know, some of my clients were investors. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, and had an opportunity to, to meet some of them and, and share some of those thoughts and get them on board. Um, and 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 so we kind of came together, you know, me and, and, and a few of my clients at the time as co-founders to say, yeah, this this sounds really interesting. It sounds like something that we could do differently. Right. And uh, so it was really born out of that, like a few ideas I had that, you know with a few scratch pieces of paper right. and, and an excel model kind of came together in a way that i could convince some others that it was was worth pursuing right they said let's let's do this uh, brought some money to the table which yeah. made it a little bit easier for me to know that i wasn't going to just be stuck right. in my garage <laughs> right right and uh and 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 you know after a, a pretty long and and frankly kind of month-long conversation with my wife about about the trade-offs of starting a business <laughs> versus staying in the corporate world we kind of jointly decided as co-founders and, and with, with her, that this was, you know, a unique enough opportunity that we'd, we'd go give it a try. Yeah. Um, and so I decided to, to leave McKinsey and my immediate next step was to, to start hiring a team, essentially sure. finding others that, that I could convince to come to <laughs> you know, create, do this crazy experience experiment with
0: me. So I know that Alex, uh, helped start the company. Alex, uh, remind me of her last year. So did you know her previous to Alto? I did. Yeah. Um, it's, we've, we've kind of been acquaintances
2: for a really long time. My wife and uh, and Alex grew up together, um, in a similar part of town. And, uh, so have known each other since they were very young, Alex. Uh, and so I'd met her through Kendall at, at several points and then, and, um, then when I was in consulting, Alex was at business school and recruiting to come into consulting and I was excited to help her through that process and, and, uh, and introduce her to the consulting world. And so I got to uh, actually interview her and, and, and learn more about her. Um, and, um, her, her husband actually ended up working with me. She, she, uh, went to another consulting firm, but her husband actually ended up working with me at McKinsey. And so I became, you know, even more acquainted with her. Sure. And, uh it was actually funny it was my wife's idea you know when, when we finally decided this was something we should do her first thing was well you know you've got a great idea but you need somebody to help you do this and i right. and, and i think you should talk to alex like sh- she was like i'm not sure she's really looking for something else but you know <laughs> yeah, she might she, right, right. she might have dropped to me at some point <laughs> that she she might be interested in trying <laughs> yeah. something and she might right. be thinking about you know entrepreneurship and so um yeah she was the first person i called and i took her to lunch actually like the day that i left mckenzie and I remember, it, I remember it pretty vividly. I told her, you know, what I was starting, and and she kind of, well, I actually can't remember if she looked at me and said like, "That's stupid" or "That's crazy," <laughs> um, but something in that in that vein of, yeah. you know, you're, you're insane, right? Um, and and. And so I was a little bit deflated, but she called me back the next day and said, I've had an an opportunity to think about it. Let's talk some more. And so then I knew
0: I was I was kind of on to (laughs) something. That's awesome. So you've got her. You're starting to build your team. And then what is that? So then uh, when did when did you all officially launch and and start start the business? So you left uh, your consulting firm. And two like May of last year, May of May of of, 2018. Okay, uh, we started building the team really
2: quickly and and brought on several people: Alex, Jonathan, our CTO, and a few others. Mm -hmm. In those uh, you know those next few months, and we you know spent essentially the second half of 2018 building the team, building the product, our technology, and our and our vehicles and the, the operation. Right. Our strategy for how we were going to train and and onboard drivers, all those sorts of things, happened in the second half of 2018, and we officially, you know, we we kind of soft launched with some friends and family and started trying some things uh, in November, and then and then launched pretty,
0: you know, widely in January of 2019. Okay, so it is still about seven or eight months. now. Yeah, that's awesome. So you, man, that's so crazy. It's so you're building the infrastructure of your company, and you're not only building the infrastructure of your company, but you're also developing training material curriculum you know uh, what are our codes of conduct for our drivers for the company what do we stand by i mean all of these things and it's just uh, that's a lot of work so it's highly impressive that you not only like left but were able to launch like kind of i mean softly but all in the same year and then officially or more broadly a couple months later i mean yeah. that's that's fantastic
2: we i mean we felt like there was a really unique opportunity to get to market while the the discussion around you know, the IPOs of Uber and Lyft were happening right. while right. some of the... It's of top the, of mind for a lot of It's top of consumers. mind for a lot of people. The, some of the safety concerns were becoming more apparent in the marketplace. And so right. we really felt like moving fast was important. Yes. And and so, but yeah, I mean, we're really excited and proud of what we did in a, in a, in a relatively short period of time to go from an idea and a sketch pad right. and, and, you know, an Excel model to a brand... A name, mm-hmm. a website, right. a product, yeah. um, you know, a full product that's pretty complicated. That's yeah. you know, a, a passenger app, a driver app, and operate. You know, all of the things that we need yeah. to operate the business, um, and the fleet, and the and the drivers,
0: and the training, and and in, in you know seven or eight months. So. Let's talk through a little bit about the the drivers and the training because I know that's that's something that I every time that I've looked uh, Alto up or looked you up or something that's been said, that's been the drivers and the fleet of vehicles have been the two things that I keep seeing positive reviews coming up and up and up about. So I want you to kind of speak to the unique training and selection process for drivers as well as the specific car of choice. Yeah, so we when, when kind of all the way back to the beginning,
2: when we were thinking about this opportunity, we also thought, okay, well, how are we going to do this differently? Right. You know, and and in, order to, in order to attack the needs that we saw that were unmet in the market, we felt like we really had to change the business model. Right. And our competitors in the space have forever said they're technology companies, not transportation companies. And they've built themselves to be app companies, right? Their product yeah, is the app. That's a good point. And so we knew that we would never beat them as a technology Mm, company mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because anything that we could code they can code better and faster right and so we knew that to differentiate what we could the the thing that we well the thing we felt that we could differentiate on was the ride right mm. we aren't a tech company we're a service company mm. and our product is not our app our app is is useful as an enabler to our product but right. our product is the ride right and what we care about is making sure just like Starbucks that you yeah. mentioned in the opening right. that every time your ride is the same experience right. it's consistent it's safe it's high quality and the only way to do that we felt was to have control over that ride and the things that have control over that ride are the car and the driver. Right. And so we stepped back and said we're going to take a counterintuitive view to this and say unlike our competitors we need to have control over the vehicles. Drivers can't just bring their own. We have they have to be our cars. And unlike our competitors, we can't use independent contractors because we need employees that we can train, that mm-hmm. we can performance manage. Those are two things that you absolutely can't do legally right. with an independent contractor. You can't train them. Right. You can't
0: performance manage them. And also, I would like to, to point out, I think something that's really key and crucial is when you have, and this isn't always true, but. I've found in my personal experience that if you have a employee versus versus an independent contractor there's a there's a loyalty bias you know there's a, they want to fight for you they want to be your you know person they want to uh, represent the company because they they feel that you're valuing um, you're putting a high value on them they want to put a high value on you you know it's a two-way street whereas independent contractors, you may get that, you may not. It depends on the person, kind of a thing.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, our, our drivers are are members, valued members of our team, right. and and we don't talk a lot about it in in kind of consumer facing, um, you know, marketing and things like that. But what we but we, you know, as part of the foundational aspects of this, what we thought is to transform the passenger experience. You really have to transport transform the driver experience because ultimately, if our product is the ride, and that ride is made up of a car and a driver our drivers are the heart of, of the service and delivery of our product so you right. have to create a great experience for them right. and so we spend as much if not more time thinking about how to train and create a great experience for our drivers so that they can in turn provide that great experience to our passengers and right. so that's that's really why hopefully as a as a passenger as a customer what you see and and read and hear about is is those two things is that yeah. the cars are awesome because because we've focused on on bringing a, a safe, well-maintained, clean, and high-quality vehicle. And our drivers are awesome because we focused on creating a great experience for them, training them, performance managing them, and ensuring that they deliver
0: a high degree of qual- of service to our customers. Right. And I know another, uh, you talked about uh, the consumer experience in that the the passenger, the rider, has full control over not just where they're going. Obviously, that's a key feature of it. <laughs> but um, that's the main feature of it. <laughs> we take uh, you where you want to go. But <laughs> well, I didn't want to go this way. It's fine. You'll thank us later. No. Um, but they also get control over music, whatever they want to play. They've got access to the playlist. So kind of speak to why that and why is that key for for your riders
2: yeah i mean for us it's it's really again part of the way that we can differentiate is to is to tell our customers that you know what's different about alto is that you're not getting in somebody else's car right you're getting in your car Mm. and so when we think about the passenger experience it obviously starts with the keywords we've talked about safety consistency and quality but what we want our passengers to feel is the hospitality that you would feel when you're getting into a hotel room. Sure. Nobody tells you what music you should listen to right. in your hotel room. Nobody <laughs> right. tells you what temperature your hotel room right. should be. Right, right. You have control over those things, and that's really different than in the in the traditional rideshare space where our competitors, you know, they tell you about your your driver likes to listen to this type of music. Your driver likes to navigate using Waze. Right. You know what we what we want to know is what are your preferences so that we can deliver that kind of mm-hmm. high quality experience right because the product is the ride and we think that that the better we can make the better we the more control over that experience and that ride we give you the higher quality that product will be and so right. even going beyond that the reason we we go to giving you control over those things is well it starts with safety for us so yeah. if you if you take the driver out of the conversation of hey we, we adjust the radio we adjust the volume we adjust the temperature they can focus on the thing that they need to be there for which is driving, driving the car right. if you're asking your pilot to like you know adjust your seat right. that wouldn't be the best outcome <laughs> right, and right. the second is that it, it you know we we have the capability to do that in a way that no one else does because we control the fleet because we can install the technology in all the cars and we can create a consistent experience that is a real differentiator that we think our customers value that it's
0: hard for our competitors to match. Sure, I mean, it's, I think to your point, it's so key in that when your competitors say, we are tech companies, our product is the app. This is how you can use the app. Uh, You know, me, and this is my lack of familiarity with the, with, you know, Uber, Lyft, et cetera, is the fact that because I don't use it so much, uh, I just kind of was like, well, this is these are the concessions I have to make in order to get from A to B, right? And it's like, I'm in, you know, I was in Boston a couple weeks ago and I was using Lyft all over the place and I was like, well, I would rather use something a little bit more reliable or a little bit maybe better. And, but this is, this is what I got. This is, you know, this is my only choice. But if someone said, well, there's a better way and there's a better user experience that their product is the ride, not just the app, that would be key because I would only want to use that. And that, then, you know, I'd get used to it. And then I would want to keep on, (laughs) keep on. That's what we want to do. And, you know, I mean, I think that is part of what's, I mean, what's admirable
2: about, about the existing providers in the space in particular, Uber and Lyft is that they have created ubiquity of transportation Mm -hmm. in, in many places that it didn't exist before. Right. And they've, they've opened the space for innovation Mm -hmm. in a way that couldn't have been possible. Right. Five or 10 years ago. And so. I mean, that's, that's incredible, right? Yeah. I mean, and, uh, and, and really groundbreaking and, and, and it has enabled us to be able to then come, come with a, with a different, you know, point of view to deliver hopefully on, on some of those things that they're bringing plus right. more. Um, and so it's, it, you know, there, there will always be, we believe there's space for kind of everybody right. and that we're delivering something that truly is different and, and that not everybody will want, by the way. I mean, sure. some people will just want the absolute cheapest way to get from point A to point sure. B.
0: And if you want that, that's definitely that's not all <laughs> Right, 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 right. That's fine. But that's not what this is. Yeah. yeah. So talk me through, um, there's a couple more points I want to get through before we get done here. But I want you to talk me through how has the business been going since official launch now that we're seven, eight months deep. How has that trended for you? Yeah, we've been incredibly excited and proud of, of the progress and the reception
2: that we've mm-hmm. had in Dallas in the last seven or eight months. We've, uh, we've delivered over 30,000 rides. That's we've awesome. We've got um, well over 6,000 uh, customers and members we've got um, you know we've we've doubled the size of our fleet and we're going to double it again in the next 3 or 4 months so the pace at which we're growing is is quite fast yeah and we are are really excited by the fact that our customers you know use us frequently like when when they use us they you know after after you start using Alto it's very hard to go back sure. so they use us frequently they help us you know they they tell friends about us yeah. they share us with 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 family members and and they're really you know spreading the word and helping us um, you know found the company and and really prove the model, so we've been pretty uh, honored by you know what we've what we've seen and the reception we've had and and really proud that you know the things that we, the ideas that we had and the and the things that we built are being received that way by by Dallas so far and and you know with that success we're also really excited next year to begin kind of rolling it out to to other places.
0: Where are you looking to? And maybe this isn't something you're able to share yet, and so if not, I completely understand. But what are the maybe short and then obviously long term plans of where you hope to roll out? Ultimately? Yeah, our the the
2: honest answer is I could share it, but I don't know. So sure. fair, <laughs> fair enough. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so I don't know what the next city is, and and you know it, it, there, there, we spend a lot of time thinking about it, and there's a lot of factors that go into that. Sure, but you know our 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 vision for the for the business is to be the trusted name in transportation in personal mobility and and we want in the next 5 10 15 20 years however long that takes to be considered in that in that same you know household brand sure. that, that others are and right. that people think of when they think of safe consistent and high quality transportation and so, in that way, we want to be the Starbucks, the Delta, the American Airlines, the Southwest, right. the Weston, the Marriott of right. of personal mobility. Right. Um, and and so that's our ultimate vision. To sure. do that, obviously, we need to be in a lot more places than sure, Dallas, sure, and we need and we sure. need to do that pretty quickly. Right. So our 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 goal right now is to is to prove the model works here to enable the, you know to use that to to enable additional fund funding and capital that yeah. will allow us to go to more markets. And and, you know, that probably looks like a couple more places in 2020, you know, a handful of places in in 2021 and then and then really ramping into, you know, national and maybe
0: even international presence in, in the next three to four years. I love it. What is so you talked about members? and That's something I definitely want to cover. Talk about your, because that's, so to, to listeners that may not be familiar with even ride sharing, but have heard the names Uber and Lyft, right? Let me just, uh, let's just uh, frame this and let you know that if you want to use Uber and Lyft, you can log on, you you add your information, you select a ride, you pay, you tip, etc., And the prices vary and you just, you have your account, but it's, it's typically, a, I mean, it is always a one-off experience. Even if you're using it multiple times, it's always one-off. So talk me through your and alto's kind of unique approach to uh memberships sure yeah i mean i i think the way that we talk about you know uber and lyft is
2: is that they are marketplaces hmm. i mean people have probably heard of of expedia right by the way uber a ceo came from expedia um or or you know google or places like they, they are search engines they allow you to match with uh with a hotel with a right with an airline and and that's what uber and lyft are doing they're building marketplaces that match a passenger and a driver but they don't control after that match has happened that's it the 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 driver is responsible for delivering the product so what's different is that we're not a marketplace you know we're a we're we're an end-to-end ecosystem right and that means that our app is a distribution platform the way in which you book your ride is through our app but like I mentioned, the product is, is the car and the driver right. and the service. And so um, what what the way in which we, we differentiate that experience is that uh, we have two ways you can ride. The first is very similar to Uber and Lyft. You can create an account. You can ride as what we call a guest. Okay, Guests, um, they pay a, a, a booking fee for every ride. And um, because we are a, a fixed kind of ecosystem – uh, they also don't have access to rides when we are in high demand. Okay. So we block guests from booking. We reserve that capacity for our members okay. um, in, in periods of high demand, which are typically, you know, morning commute times, evening commute times, you know, Friday nights, Saturday nights, things right. like that. And yeah. the, the system dynamically tells you, hey, like, we're busy right now. You know, if you want to ride in these peak times, you need to be a member. Okay. The, the reason to then have a membership is because it allows – for the commitment that you make to us as a member by paying twelve bucks a month, um, you now have kind of unlimited access to Alto. You don't pay a booking fee, so if you ride two or three times a month, it, it pays for, paid itself. for itself. Right, and it allows us to plan better because we need to mm-hmm. have your commitment mm-hmm. that we point. can then sure. plan our fleet and plan our
0: our you know right. right size our operation to be able to serve that membership base. So it's twelve bucks a month, and it's if I want to take a ride every single day. I'm not paying any extra. No, so you paid that twelve bucks a month to then have the access. What you then you get a you get
2: a discount on every ride, so you don't pay the booking. Oh, that's fee. even better. Yeah, yeah. And then you pay just like you would Uber or Lyft. You pay a per mile and per minute okay. rate. Gotcha for using the car. So. Um, You know, we, if you're, if you're taking a short ride in downtown, you know, our minimum fare is 12 bucks. So it might be 12 or $13. And and if you're going to the airport from downtown Dallas, for example, it'll probably be 50 or 60 bucks for the ride, which we think is, you know, a significant discount to a higher end, you know, limo or black car service, or frankly, even, you know, a taxi Um, and a, so it's probably 50% less than, than a
0: limo. And we think of even better experience, a more personalized and and more consistent experience. That's awesome. That's very cool. Well, I know we're gonna, we're getting ready to wrap up, but there's two, uh, there's maybe one and two things I want to ask before we get into the final segment, which I'm excited about. Uh, first, I want to know, I've been waiting to ask this, but I wanted to wait till the end till we got the story, but why Alto? How'd you come up with that name?
2: Yeah. Alto means tall or high. And so we've kind of, translated that into elevated. Oh, we say okay. Alto means elevated
0: and uh, and we're elevating the passenger experience and the driver experience in Rideshare. I love it. And if there is somebody that's listening that wants to start their own startup or be their own entrepreneur, what's a little bit of a, of advice or personal mantra that you would give to them? I told a lot of people that I,
2: what made me convinced that this was uh, worth pursuing was that when I first told people about it, just like Alex, they told me I was crazy. But when I really explained it in more detail, I could convince people that I trusted and that I knew were probably more intelligent than I was, that it was interesting. Yeah. And so if you can convince somebody that is initially skeptical, especially if you trust them, if, you, you know, if, they're, right. if, if they're a mentor they're, you know, they're, they're, and, and you respect their opinion, if you can convince them from first a skeptic to a believer, then you're probably onto something. Okay. And if you've done that, don't do much more because okay. if you keep exploring, you're going to learn that it's actually much more complicated than you might <laughs> expect, <laughs> and and you're going to start to spook yourself. Right. My, if I had kno- known all the things now that I that if you uh, know now if I'd or known then, then what I you know, know now, I probably would have I probably right. wouldn't have done it because Bound it's out, way yeah. harder than I expected. Sure. But um, that's kind of part of the fun right. too. So that's the bar that I would set for people, that's which awesome. is. You need to come up with something that isn't so obvious that others are going to have done it already. And so Agreed. people should be skeptical when you first, right. when you first <laughs> right, present right. it to them. And if they remain skeptical, then there might be a reason for
0: that. But if you can convince <laughs> right. them, then it, it might, it's, you're probably on to something. That's a good point. And one of the mantras I like to bring out because I love it so much uh, that I have, I have a list of mantras for myself. And one of the ones which you had actually even said earlier uh, that I have for myself is if you can't be better, be different. Yeah. You know, and so to your point, you're never going to be able to code something better than Uber or Lyft because they're already going to be able to do it and faster. So you've got to be different. What makes you unique and stands out? And that's what's going to resonate with people. Totally agree. Absolutely. Well, now we're going to transition into my favorite part of the segment, the dad joke of the week. It is a segment where I like to hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guests while the audience groans. Uh, But I can't hear them. I can only hear my guests. It works out. Perfect. But I always like to put my guests on the spot and ask if they have any dad jokes they would like to offer up first.
2: Oh man, I,
0: I, it's so funny! I was with a, 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 a,
2: some friends this weekend at the U.S. Open in New York, and I was telling jokes, and and my wife was like, "I can't believe you're already <laughs> telling dad jokes. You're too young for this." And now I can't remember any of them because you okay. put me on the spot. Right. I, my 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 kid's favorite joke at the moment is uh, because I'm dyslexic. I can do this. What's um, what does a dyslexic pirate say?
0: I don't know what. Raw. <laughs> That's good. I like that. I like that very much. Very much. All I right. don't know if that counts as a dad joke. It does. It's a absolutely. Joke. It's a great dad joke. All right. So I've got several that I'm going to hit you up with. Uh, first of all, uh, and these are all car-themed. I tried to kind of keep it in the the same uh, topic. Uh, so, Will, do you know what grinds my gears? I don't. Clutch failure. Clutch failure. Grinds my gears. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that uh, is a dad <laughs> joke sure. for sure. Okay. All right. Uh, what kind of car does an egg... Drive. Tell me a yoke's wagon. (laughs) Yoke's wagon. All right. uh, Last one. Uh, Why does a chicken coop have two doors? No telling. Uh, Because if it had four doors, it would be a sedan. All right. Well, Will, thank you so much. Where do you get these? Uh, you know, sometimes it's the magic of my head. Sometimes it's my kids and sometimes it's Google. So, okay. you know, it all depends. <laughs> um, but what I would. Uh, your kids are brilliant. Uh, right. <laughs> um, so now before we end the show, I, we do need a hashtag for the episode. Uh, what is the current hashtag you're using? Is it hashtag Alto or hashtag Ride alto? Hashtag Ride alto. Perfect. So we will do that. Listeners, I will be back next week with more great content. Will, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And listeners, until next time, hashtag ride alto and hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D T A L K S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys.
3: Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and
2: more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O dot
0: Welcome to After The Encore, a music podcast committed to showing you the magic of your favorite artists, After The Encore. I'm your host, Joe Shaw. What drives people to become musicians? What are the stories behind the songs or albums you love? We'll be answering all that and more in this new podcast series. Every season will drop all episodes at once to allow you the flexibility to listen at your own leisure. Binge it all or take your time. New seasons will drop approximately every six to eight months and will be centered on a different theme. Oh, and one more thing. Since we're really doubling down on the music concept, each season will be called Volumes, and each episode will be called Tracks. Volume one, The Stars at Night, will drop on Friday, August 30th. Texas, the second largest state in America, has always had a tradition of housing various eclectic people, traditions, and most importantly, music. Whether it's blues, country, folk, pop, or rock, all different artists call Texas home. In celebration of the various sounds of Texas, we've compiled an eclectic group of artists to help us answer two questions essential to the core of After the Encore. What does music mean to you? And how do you quantify success? Stay tuned and be sure to like, subscribe, rate, review, and share however you want. For now, enjoy the following highlights from the upcoming Volume 1.
3: As, as an artist, were exactly the reasons why I needed to come to it because it really served a, as, as, a, as a, a vessel for me to figure who I was. I mean, right, it, it sort of resolved a lifelong identity crisis Right, for Right, me. right, exactly. uh, and, and 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 in that, it set me free. You know, yeah, to sort of to be me and to be the kind of um, black male that I choose to be versus. What you know, someone else or right. should 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 should, uh, say it should be, and so okay. yeah, that was a joyful thing. And, and so right. the, the sort of you know the the, the sort of emancipation yeah. <laughs> you know, of myself, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, became right. a really joyful thing. But right. the the other trip is that you um, I, mean, I, I just find like it to be. And I always have thought this. I mean, it, it's such, blues is such great music of resilience. Yes, and, and it's such a great um, such great evidence of 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 the the. the the strength of the human spirit right. and, and so for me that's like what's more joyful than that yeah. it's like we have the ability to reinvent ourselves we have the ability to transcend we have the ability right. to um always you know uh through your know, free will choice you know? right absolutely and, and so blues and buys all that and i just sort of figure out, well man this is yeah uh, how much joyful can it get
4: He's able to show them. Look, they've sold this many, and yeah, you know they're playing in front of this many people. If they go and play somewhere a couple of times, they pack it out like yeah. you know this, and they were like, "Hey, it's just not the right time" because this was grunge, grunge, yeah, grunge,
0: yeah, grunge. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is like Nirvana era too. Like, oh uh, sure, yeah, like, like when it, when we were yeah, yeah. Um, like Nirvana grunge. <laughs> yeah,
4: um, and so we were trying to get into regular rotation on the edge because they were playing some bands. Right. You know, like they had played Pop Poppins. um, Mm -hmm. Tripping Daisy had already broken through at that point. Sure, okay. um, And and they had started playing the Nixons at this time. And even that didn't seem like it was going to happen. Yeah. Like, dude, this this might not happen for us. Yeah. And it, it was one of those weird things. We were playing at Trees... And Trees had run an ad on The Edge, and in the ad, they played a snippet of Breakfast at Tiffany's. And so people start calling The Edge and requesting it.